In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Behold the life-giving cross on which was hung the salvation of the whole world. O come, let us worship him. Let us pray. Almighty God, graciously behold this your family, for whom our Lord Jesus Christ was willing to be betrayed and delivered into the hands of sinful men, to suffer death upon the cross. Through the same Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. A reading from the prophet Isaiah. Behold, my servant shall deal prudently. He shall be exalted and extolled and be very high. Just as many were astonished at you, so his visage was marred more than any man, and his form more than the sons of men. So shall he sprinkle many nations." Kings shall shut their mouths at him, for what had not been told them they shall see, and what they had not heard they shall consider. Who has believed our report? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant, and as a root out of dry ground. He has no form or comeliness, and when we see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. He is despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised, and we did not esteem him. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. All we, like sheep, have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He was led as a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before its shears is silent, so he opened not his mouth. He was taken from prison and from judgment, and who will declare his generation? For he was cut off from the land of the living. For the transgressions of my people he was stricken. And they made his grave with the wicked, but with the rich at his death, because he had done no violence, nor was any deceit in his mouth. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He has put him to grief. 
When you make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed, he shall prolong his days, and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. He shall see the labor of his soul and be satisfied. By his knowledge, my righteous servant shall justify many, for he shall bear their iniquities. Therefore I will divide him a portion with the great, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong because he poured out his soul unto death, and he was numbered with the transgressors, and he bore the sin of many and made intercession for the transgressors. Let us pray. Merciful and everlasting God, You did not spare your only Son, but delivered him up for us all to bear our sins on the cross. Grant that our hearts may be so fixed with steadfast faith in him that we fear not the power of sin, death, and the devil. Through the same Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. A reading from 2 Corinthians. For the love of Christ compels us, because we judge thus, that if one died for all, then all died, and he died for all, that those who live should live no longer for themselves, but for him who died for them and rose again. Therefore, from now on, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, yet now we know him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Now all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, that God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them, and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God were pleading through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Let us pray. Almighty and everlasting God, You will that your Son should bear for us the pains of the cross, and so remove from us the power of the adversary. Help us, so to remember and give thanks for our Lord's passion, that we may receive forgiveness of sin and redemption from everlasting death. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.
If there are those who cannot hear, they can come into the hallway to hear. The Passion of Our Lord According to St. John Jesus went out with his disciples over the brook Kidron, where there was a garden which he and his disciples entered. And Judas, who betrayed him, also knew the place. For Jesus often met there with his disciples. Then Judas, having received a detachment of troops and officers from the chief priests and Pharisees, came there with lanterns, torches, and weapons. Jesus, therefore knowing all things that would come upon him, went forward and said to them, Whom are you seeking? They answered him, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus said to them, I am. And Judas, who betrayed him, also stood with them. Now when he had said to them, I am, they drew back and fell to the ground. Then he asked them again, Whom are you seeking? They said, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus answered, I have told you, I am. Therefore, if you seek me, let these go their way, that the saying might be fulfilled which he spoke of those whom you gave me, I have lost none. Then Simon Peter, having a sword, drew it, and struck the high priest's servant and cut off his right ear. The servant's name was Malchus. So Jesus said to Peter, Put your sword into the sheath. Shall I not drink the cup which my father has given me? Then the detachment of troops and the captain and the officers of the Jews arrested Jesus and bound him. And they led him away to Annas first, for he was the father-in-law of Caiaphas, who was high priest that year. Now it was Caiaphas 
who advised the Jews that it was expedient that one man should die for the people. And Simon Peter followed Jesus, and so did another disciple. Now that disciple was known to the high priest and went with Jesus into the courtyard of the high priest. But Peter stood at the door outside. Then the other disciple who was known to the high priest went out and spoke to her who kept the door and brought Peter in. Then the servant girl who kept the door said to Peter, You are not also one of this man's disciples, are you? He said, I am not. Now the servants and officers who had made a fire of coals stood there, for it was cold, and they warmed themselves. And Peter stood with them and warmed himself. The high priest then asked Jesus about his disciples and his doctrine. Jesus answered him, I spoke openly to the world. I always taught in synagogues and in the temple, where the Jews always meet, and in secret I have said nothing. Why do you ask me? Ask those who have heard me what I said to them. Indeed, they know what I said. And when he had said these things, one of the officers who stood by struck Jesus with the palm of his hand, saying, Do you answer the high priest like that? Jesus answered him, If I have spoken evil, bear witness of the evil. But if well, why do you strike me? Then Annas sent him bound to Caiaphas, the high priest. Now Simon Peter stood and warmed himself. Therefore they said to him, You are not also one of his disciples, are you? He denied it and said, I am not one of the servants of the high priest. A relative of him whose ear Peter cut off said, Did I not see you in the garden with him? Peter then denied again, and immediately a rooster crowed. And they led Jesus from Caiaphas to the praetorium. And it was early morning. But they themselves did not go into the praetorium lest they should be defiled, but that they might eat the Passover. Pilate then went out to them and said, What accusation do you bring against this man? They answered and said to him, If he were not an evildoer, we would not have delivered him up to you. Then Pilate said to them, You take him and judge him according to your law. Therefore the Jews said to him, It is not lawful for us to put anyone to death, that the saying of Jesus might be fulfilled which he spoke, signifying by what death he would die. Then Pilate entered the praetorium again, called Jesus and said to him, Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus answered him, Are you speaking for yourself about this? Or did others tell you this concerning me? Pilate answered, Am I a Jew? Your own nation and the chief priests have delivered you to me. What have you done? Jesus answered, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would fight, so that I should not be delivered to the Jews. But now my kingdom is not from here. Pilate therefore said to him, Are you a king then? Jesus answered, You say rightly that I am a king. For this cause I was born, and for this cause I have come into the world, that I should bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. Pilate said to him, What is truth? And when he had said this, he went out again to the Jews and said to them, I find no fault in him at all, but you have a custom that I should release someone to you at the Passover. Do you therefore want me to release to you the king of the Jews? Then they all cried again, saying, Not this man, but Barabbas. Now Barabbas was a robber. So then Pilate took Jesus 
and scourged him. And the soldiers twisted a crown of thorns and put it on his head. And they put on him a purple robe. Then they said, Hail, King of the Jews, and they struck him with their hands. Pilate then went out again and said to them, Behold, I am bringing him out to you, that you may know that I find no fault in him. Then Jesus came out, wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe. And Pilate said to them, Behold the man. Therefore, when the chief priests and officers saw him, they cried out, saying, Crucify him! Crucify him! Pilate said to them, You take him and crucify him, for I find no fault in him. The Jews answered him, We have a law, and according to our law, he ought to die, because he made himself the Son of God. Therefore, when Pilate heard that saying, he was the more afraid, and went again into the praetorium and said to Jesus, Where are you from? But Jesus gave him no answer. Then Pilate said to him, Are you not speaking to me? Do you not know that I have power to crucify you? And power to release you. Jesus answered. You could have no power at all against me. Unless it had been given you from above. Therefore the one who delivered me to you. Has the greater sin. From then on Pilate sought to release him. But the Jews cried out saying. If you let this man go you are not Caesar's friend. Whoever makes himself a king speaks against Caesar. When Pilate therefore heard that saying, he brought Jesus out and sat down in the judgment seat in a place that is called the pavement, but in Hebrew, Gabbatha. Now it was the preparation day of the Passover and about the sixth hour. And he said to the Jews, Behold your king. But they cried out, Away with him! Away with him! Crucify him! Pilate said to them, Shall I crucify your king? The chief priests answered, We have no king but Caesar. Then he delivered him to them to be crucified. So they took Jesus and led him away. And he, bearing his cross, went out to a place called the place of a skull, which is called in Hebrew, Golgotha, where they crucified him and two others with him, one on either side and Jesus in the center. Now Pilate wrote a title and put it on the cross, and the writing was, Jesus of Nazareth, the King of the Jews. Then many of the Jews read this title, for the place where Jesus was crucified was near the city. And it was written in Hebrew, Greek, and Latin. Therefore the chief priests of the Jews said to Pilate, Do not write the king of the Jews, but he said, I am the king of the Jews. Pilate answered, What I have written, I have written. Then the soldiers, when they had crucified Jesus, took his garments and made four parts to each soldier apart and also the tunic. Now the tunic was without seam, woven from the top in one piece. They said therefore among themselves, Let us not tear it, but cast lots for it, whose it shall be. That the scripture might be fulfilled which says, They divided my garments among them, and for my clothing they cast lots. Therefore the soldiers did these things. Now there stood by the cross of Jesus, his mother, and his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus therefore saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing by, he said to his mother, Woman, behold your son. Then he said to the disciple, Behold your mother. And from that hour, that disciple took her to his own home. 
After this, Jesus, knowing that all things were now accomplished, that the scripture might be fulfilled, said, I thirst. Now a vessel full of sour wine was sitting there, and they filled a sponge with sour wine, put it on hyssop, and put it to his mouth. So when Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, It is finished. And bowing his head, he gave up his spirit. Therefore, because it was the preparation day that the bodies should not remain on the cross on the Sabbath, for that Sabbath was a high day, the Jews asked Pilate that their legs might be broken and that they might be taken away. Then the soldiers came and broke the legs of the first and of the other who was crucified with him. But when they came to Jesus and saw that he was already dead, they did not break his legs. But one of the soldiers pierced his side with a spear. And immediately blood and water came out. And he who has seen has testified, and his testimony is true. And he knows that he is telling the truth, so that you may believe. For these things were done that the scripture should be fulfilled. Not one of his bones shall be broken. And again, another scripture says, They shall look on him whom they pierced. After this, Joseph of Arimathea, being a disciple of Jesus, but secretly, for fear of the Jews, asked Pilate that he might take away the body of Jesus. And Pilate gave him permission. So he came and took the body of Jesus. And Nicodemus, who at first came to Jesus by night, also came, bringing a mixture of myrrh and aloes, about a hundred pounds. Then they took the body of Jesus and bound it in strips of linen with the spices, as the custom of the Jews is to bury. Now in the place where he was crucified, there was a garden. And in the garden, a new tomb in which no one had yet been laid. So there they laid Jesus because of the Jews' preparation day. For the tomb was nearby.
grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Judas was a thief. He did not care about the poor. He frequently stole from the money box of the disciples. And he betrayed the Lord Jesus for 30 pieces of silver. He did not believe in him. The detachment of troops and officers from the chief priests and Pharisees came with lanterns and torches and weapons to arrest Jesus. They bound Jesus. They brutally treated Jesus and led him to the high priest. But they were not believers either. Malchus was a servant of the high priest who had gone with them into the garden. Peter cut off his ear. Luke tells us that Jesus healed it. We have no record of any faith concerning Malchus. Caiaphas was the high priest that year. Annas was his father-in-law. It appeared that Annas pulled the strings behind the scenes. The whole family of the high priest was like a mafia. They were churchmen, but they were politicians of the worst sort. And within the spiritual kingdom of the church where there was vast corruption. Hanging on to power was their ultimate goal. They had no real love for the people they were called to serve. Caiaphas was right. It was necessary that Jesus die for the people but he did not believe in Jesus. Then there's Pontius Pilate. He desperately tried to do the right thing. Jesus was innocent. I find no fault in him, he said repeatedly, three times. Why do they want to condemn him? Pilate was a Roman politician. He knew where he stood under the emperor Caesar, He wasn't a theologian, even though he knew the expectations of the Jews. Yet the man who struggled to know the truth ended up, ironically and paradoxically, confessing the truth throughout the St. John Passion. I find no fault in him. That was the truth. Behold the man, unlike any man who had ever lived. That was the truth. Behold your king. What I have written, I have written. That was the truth. Did he believe what he confessed? Some say that later on in life, Pontius Pilate came to faith. In the end, actions speak louder than words. Pilate delivered Jesus to be crucified because he could not bear the Jews being perceived as more loyal to Caesar than he was as the Roman governor. The power of self-interest and self-preservation. It's really strong, isn't it? The evangelist St. John gives us intimate details about the passion of our Lord that is not recorded in the other synoptic Gospels. John had access to the household of the high priest. He knew the high priest. 
He knew the Pharisees and scribes of the Sanhedrin. He knew the servants of the high priest, like Malchus and his relatives. It was John who arranged for Peter to come into the courtyard of the high priest because John himself had access to that courtyard as someone who was very, very familiar with the upper echelons of the Old Testament churchly kingdom. And that little detail makes Peter's denial all the more stunning. You also were one of this man's disciples. How could he deny what John had already told them about him? Had Peter lost his faith? John is that, quote, another disciple. John stood with Jesus' mother and the other women at the feet of the cross. He was appointed by Jesus to care for his mother after his death. John was there to witness all of these events, to record the conversations in intimate detail, to capture for us the emotions to allow us to see Jesus for who he really is, Son of God, Savior. He saw in Jesus that the scriptures were fulfilled in everything that happened to Jesus, in everything that Jesus did, in everything that Jesus said. He witnessed Jesus dying for a disciple who never believed in him and who betrayed him for 30 pieces of silver. He witnessed Jesus willingly suffer for the common soldiers of the high priest and Roman governor who were simply following orders when they abused and mistreated him. He witnessed Jesus' acts of love and mercy being attacked and rejected by the religious establishment of his day that should have embraced him in repentance and joy as the fulfillment of the scriptures, the Messiah. He witnessed the fear and the despair of his fellow disciples who denied him and ran away. John witnessed his love for his mother, caring for her even while bearing the weight of the world's sin upon his shoulders. He witnessed his love for his heavenly father, his thirst to do his father's will. He witnessed that Jesus accomplished everything that the scriptures had written. It is finished. He witnessed that in Jesus was accomplished all that was necessary for the salvation of the world, for sinners, no matter who they are, no matter what they've done. Where are you in the passion narrative? Who are you most like? The soldiers who had no particular system of belief but were governed by the basest and most vile elements of human nature? Peter, whose cowardice overwhelmed him and took away his courage so that he refused to confess the truth? Pilate, who struggled to know the truth, who held all the power and yet was incapable of using it 
with integrity. The high priest, the members of the council who denied the teachings of Scripture, the very teachings that they in their office had sworn to uphold? Or perhaps you just simply identify with the weeping women at the foot of the cross who kept their vigil. Or Joseph of Arimathea, who is a disciple of Jesus, but secretly for fear of the Jews. Or Nicodemus, who came to Jesus under the cover of darkness, but now finally came out into the open to help Joseph with Jesus' burial. What fears and temptations motivate you? What sorrows overwhelm you? What sin threatens your conscience and tempts you to despair? How often do you struggle to believe in Jesus, to trust in him, to love him, to hold fast to his word? Where are we in the passion narrative? Finally, we are the sinners whom Christ loved and for whom he shed his blood. With John, we are named the disciple whom Jesus loved. That's who you are. No matter who you are, no matter your struggles, your past failings, or your weaknesses, you are the disciple whom Jesus loved. In his passion narrative, John witnessed what he would later write about in his first epistle. In this, the love of God was manifested toward us, that God has sent his only begotten Son into the world, that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. To propitiate means to render satisfaction, to make atonement or payment for sin, to reconcile sinners to God by the sacrifice of blood. To forgive. And by forgiveness, to make all things new. The blood and water that flowed from Jesus' side to be the propitiation for our sins. John witnessed it. And his testimony is true. And we know that he is telling the truth. No matter who you are, all of this is accomplished for you in Christ. We love him because he first loved us. Later in his gospel, John would give his final testimony to the love of God in Christ and the meaning of Jesus' passion. Truly, Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book, but these are written, that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing, you may have life in his name. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Let us bow our heads in prayer.
Let us pray for the whole Christian church, that our Lord God would defend her against all the assaults and temptations of the adversary and keep her perpetually on the true foundation, Jesus Christ. Almighty and everlasting God, since you have revealed your glory to the nations in Jesus Christ and in the word of his truth, keep, we ask you, in safety the works of your mercy, so that your church spread throughout all the nations may be defended against the adversary and may serve you in true faith and persevere in the confession of your name. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Amen. Let us pray for all the ministers of the word, for all vocations in the church, and for all the people of God. Almighty and everlasting God, by whose spirit the whole body of the church is governed and sanctified, receive the supplications and prayers which we offer before you for all your servants in your holy church, that every member of the same may truly serve you according to your calling. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Let us pray for our catechumens, that our Lord God would open their hearts and the door of his mercy, that having received the remission of all their sins by the washing of regeneration, they may be mindful of their baptism and evermore be found in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Almighty God and Father, because you always grant growth to your church. Increase the faith and understanding of our catechumens that rejoicing in their new birth by the water of, the holy, of holy baptism, they may forever continue in the family of those whom you adopt as your sons and daughters. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Let us pray for all in authority that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. O merciful Father in heaven, because you hold in your hand all the might of mankind and because you have ordained for the punishment of evildoers and for the praise of those who do well all the powers that exist in all the nations of the earth, we humbly pray you graciously to regard your servants especially Donald, our president, the Congress of the United States, Tony, our governor, and all those who make, administer, and judge our laws, that all who receive the sword as your ministers may bear it according to your word. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Amen. Let us pray our Lord God Almighty that he would deliver the world from all error, take away disease, ward off famine, set free those in bondage, grant health to the sick, and a safe journey to all who travel. Almighty and everlasting God, the consolation of the sorrowful and the strength of the weak, may the prayers of those who in any tribulation or distress cry to you graciously come before you so that in all their necessities they may rejoice in your manifold help and comfort. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Let us pray for all who are outside the church, that our Lord God would be pleased to deliver them from their error, call them to faith in the true and living God, and in his only Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, and gather them into his family, the church. Almighty and everlasting God, because you seek not the death but the life of all, hear our prayers for all who have no right knowledge of you. Free them from their error. And for the glory of your name, bring them into the fellowship of your holy church. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Amen. Let us pray for peace that we may come to the knowledge of God's holy word and walk before him as is fitting for Christians. 
Almighty and everlasting God, King of glory and Lord of heaven and earth, by whose spirit all things are governed, by whose providence all things are ordered, the God of peace and the author of all concord, grant us, we implore you, your heavenly peace and concord, that we may serve you in true fear to the praise and glory of your name. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Amen. Let us pray for our enemies that God would remember them in mercy and graciously grant them such things as are both needful for them and profitable for their salvation. O almighty and everlasting God, through your only Son, our blessed Lord, you have commanded us to love our enemies, to do good to those who hate us, and to pray for those who persecute us. We therefore earnestly implore you that by your gracious visitation, all our enemies may be led to true repentance and may have the same love and be of one accord and one mind and heart with us and with your whole Christian church. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Amen. Let us pray for the fruits of the earth, that God would send down his blessing upon them and graciously dispose our hearts to enjoy them according to his own good will. O Lord, Father Almighty, by your word, you created and you continue to bless and uphold all things. We pray you so to reveal to us your word, our Lord Jesus Christ, that through his dwelling in our hearts, we may, by your grace, be made ready to receive your blessing on all the fruits of the earth and whatsoever pertains to our bodily need. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Amen. Finally, let us pray for all those things for which our Lord would have us ask, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen.
Let us pray. We implore you, O Lord, that your abundant blessing may be upon your people who have held the passion and death of your Son in devout remembrance, that we may receive your pardon and the gift of your comfort and may increase in faith and take hold of eternal salvation. Through the same Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Amen.